Welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. We are recording live again, which is awesome. So apologies in advance for any technical difficulties, and we'll publish to our podcast feed later today. As always, the first half of the show will be the Just Dow It News Report. And in the second half, we will go deeper into an interview with our guest, Naveen. Speaking of whom, Naveen, uh, why don't you start by giving us just a brief introduction uh, to yourself, and then we'll go a little bit deeper later on. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Naveen. I'm the co-founder of Samudai. Uh, previous to Samudai, I was working at Capco, uh, Capco London as a consultant. And prior to that, I was uh, working with you know, Luna Ventures as an analyst intern. Uh, I come from a background in engineering and from a master's in economics and strategy uh, from Imperium. So yeah, that's the background. Nice. That's awesome. Um, all right. Fantastic. So again, we'll go a little deeper into Naveen's uh, background, how he got into Web3, what he's working on at Samadai and all that good stuff. Uh, but first, uh, the Just Dow It News Report. I will summarize each of these stories for the audience and for Naveen. And then we will try to pick apart uh, what do we agree, disagree, hot takes, what is relevant about these news stories for people starting or leading DAOs. So the first story of the week, this is from Cointelegraph. And the headline, it's actually their magazine. The headline is, are DAOs overhyped and unworkable? Lessons from the front lines. Many contend that DAOs have failed to deliver on their promises, but developers are coming up with novel solutions. All right, well, every week these days, it seems like someone is saying, have DAOs failed? Is this the end of DAOs? Are, are, are DAOs the worst thing in the world? And uh, I, I'm not surprised that some people feel that way because, I mean, first of all, we say this on the show a lot, but I mean, something like 90% of all startups fail, right? And when they fail, you might come out yeah. of a startup thinking, oh my God, companies are such a bad idea. Like, startups are such a bad idea. It's always hard. There's always drama. It always fails. When in reality, you have to expect that they're going to fail 90% of the time. Um, but I think also people have some valid gripes. And you know, this article goes into some of the uh, concerns that the author has about uh, what might be going wrong with DAOs. So I'm going to just uh, list a few of those. So um, one of them is voter apathy, uh, which is, you know, basically a lot of people in the DAO not voting. Another one is delegate voting. So it talks about scenarios where people say, all right, well, look, it's too hard. Voter apathy. We can't just have everyone voting. So let's let people delegate. And now you delegate and you end up with, say, 100 delegates in one of the examples rather than 25,000 holders. I think that's possibly for Gitcoin. And then the author says, well, isn't that just as bad as, as you know, what we, where we came from before? And then finally, um, well, at least one more example from this article is just the fact that Oftentimes, this article says always, I, I don't think actually it's anywhere near always, but oftentimes DAOs are building a product and they kind of assume, well, hey, if we just democratize and go from there, everything will be great. But, but, but they forget about all the things we've learned from business and, and product development about how to build a successful product. And, and a lot of that is not about just letting everyone decide everything. There's a lot of structure and, and process and, and even tradition that goes into building products. So 
I'm just going to pick one of these things to take issue with, although I could take issue with all of them. And then, uh, Naveen, I'm curious what you might take issue with or if you really agree with the premise. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, to me, I'm just going to pick on this thing about, about Gitcoin and how uh, the author says, you know, 100 delegates is no better than the traditional structures we've had before. And I'm going to disagree with that because I'm going to say very rarely have traditional organizations had 100 or more people in charge right? Usually it's a board of like five to 25 people. And even 100 people is a step change from five to 25 people. It's an order of magnitude, more people doing governance than you hardly ever saw before in any organization. And, and often too, you know, it's really, it's like the CEO's in charge. So from one to 100, it's meaningful. And the fact that those 100 people can lose their, their stake that, that makes them a delegate at any time, and, and you could just as easily have that delegate get kicked out or another one come in, that also is very different from, for example, a traditional board where people are voted in for a year or more, and often you don't have board members turning over very often at all, or they're all picked by the CEO. So obviously DAOs can go even a lot further into direct democracy than 100 delegates, but, but I think even having 100 liquid delegates is actually a huge step change over what was possible before. So what about you, Naveen? What's, what's your reaction here? Yeah, I actually wanted to pick the growth problem that they have mentioned, right? I mean, I sort of agree with what they have mentioned in terms of growth. Uh, they are trying to mention this working group and, you know, like how the sub DAO structure is coming into the play and it sort of resembles the web two you know, companies that, you know, have certain, you know, departments and then like there are department leads and then they help people, you know, in making the decision. Uh, I think in some other article as well, it was mentioned that, you know, uh, in order for voters to make a decision, the context is very important and, you know, they having the expertise into what they are actually going to talk about or vote about is also very important. So I think having this working group structure is something that I sort of agree with that is written in the article. Yeah. What is your take on that? How would you sort of see that coming up right now? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think people from DAOs just can't be afraid of leveraging some of the tools and techniques that worked in Web2, in TradFi, in, in traditional corporate, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And sometimes that means putting someone in charge of something. And I think most DAOs that have been around for more than a few months have realized that there's nothing wrong with putting someone in charge of something, for example, or even having some things that look centralized, right? I mean, at the end of the day, to exactly. me, as long as the ultimate power lies in the hands of the community, then if the community wants to elect, like Sushi elected a head chef, basically a CEO, the guy, guy got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, and um, I don't know how it's gone, but, but, you know, to me, you know, that's fine because the whole community of hundreds of thousands of token holders can also unelect that, per that head chef at any time. Um, so, again, I, to me, that's still a huge step change over what we had before and nothing wrong with using some of the old techniques. Yeah, but I mean, uh, don't you don't you like sort of uh, agree that, you know, having giving the people this power to sort of... Uh, de-elect again someone who is like elected on top like why are we only making decisions on the top most level right you know they want to be they want someone to be the leader i what i'm thinking is from the perspective where uh someone is joining the community should have sort of a career ladder like like we used to have like in all the companies right i mean and certain career ladders are achieved by proof of work so it's it's not just voting based or you know they want someone to elect and they make someone leaders. But I think a proof of work based career ladder that, you know, uh, even if they want to be like the individual cannot be made an analyst a certain day if they were like the project leads, right? So I think having such a structure is something that will be beneficial for DAOs in the long run, uh, specifically in this scenario.
That's a great point, right? And I think that's a lot of the innovation that's happening in DAOs is coming up with new, more decentralized ways of doing some of the same things we did before. So whether that's accounting, whether that's HR, people management, whether that's career ladder, like you're talking about, how can we do that in a way that still gives the power back to the people, but allows for that tool that was really successful before. And, and and by the way, I don't always think DAO should hire a head chef. I don't think you always need a lot, you know, to centralize certain things. What's amazing about Mm -hmm. DAOs is that for the first time, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but we've, we, I do think DAOs have to kind of find that middle ground where, okay, fine, like throw out the old model, but what's the new model, the new structure? Like DAOs should not be afraid of structure. DAOs might need more structure in order to operate in a permissionless way. I mean, and, and not every DAO is this way, but let's say you want to allow people to join or leave at any time. Okay, well, I, I think then you probably need more structure in terms of what happens when someone joins, what happens when someone leaves, because there's no manager to just step in the next day and say, okay, now we're going to figure out what we do because we just lost someone and gained someone. There's got to be a structure in place if, if you don't want to have someone in charge of things like that. Definitely. I think when it comes to structures, uh, there has to be like subtle structures. I, I don't I don't want to say that you know those are not important, but I think overcomplication is something that you know has brought DAOs to where they are today, right? I mean, overcomplicating the governance processes, overcomplicating you know how the things are working. We will have one sub DAO that will take care of you know the next multiple sub DAOs, and like these are the people who is going to take care of this. That I think all this complication has you know led to where we are today. I think processes are not meant to make things complicated. Processes are made meant to you know make things more simpler. Like you know those are meant to help people understand or you know bring those things into their habit right uh, when it comes to onboarding like you know great you, you should have a very simple onboarding structure but then when it comes to the day-to-day working i think you know a lot of structure can be uh, i mean not a very positive thing for us yeah yeah makes sense all right let's turn to the next news story of the week which is from nftnow.com and the headline is Hundreds of nouns holders rally to exit DAO leading to treasury split by Erica Lee. Uh, this, is, this is a really fun kind of story uh, to pick apart. I was talking to a lot of folks about what's going on with nouns DAO uh, in, at Permissionless earlier this week in, in Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, nouns is one of the really successful DAOs of the last couple of years. Uh, I guess you could say of all time as a result. And uh, uh, I mean, you know, I have ta- a doubt there. I mean, uh, what, what are you defining success here by? I mean, I think that is important to establish, right? Only then we can say whether they're successful or not. Okay, well, I'll define it for you because I'm a Nouns fan of the Nouns ecosystem. Okay. I'm curious to hear what you would say. Um, so first of all, the Nouns DAO itself has raised hundreds of millions of dollars into the treasury, few hundred members, and, and they allocate that money. Um, they, one of the things they did with that money is they uh, built something called Nouns Builder that lets anyone uh, launch a DAO that, that is structured similar to Nouns DAO but for any purpose and with different configuration patterns. So for example, in nouns, there's a daily auction with a certain minimum. And when you win that auction, you get an NFT that represents your membership, your voting right in the DAO. And, and yeah. so anyone who spins up a noun say, you can pick a different auction length, a different minimum, a different NFT visual design, you know, generative art design. Uh, you can pick whether you want to have veto power or not, whether you want to have a founder allocation. So you can do all of that through a web interface, hit a button, launch what's called a noun-ish, nouns-ish 
DAO. So I'm also part of a mm -hmm. few DAOs that are nouns-ish DAOs, uh, some of which are related to the nouns ecosystem. Others are just using the, the technology. So, so I guess that, that's why I call it successful, maybe the builder part especially. Um, okay. what, what do you think? Of, are, are you part of any of those? Uh, I'm, I'm not a part of any of those, but I think I was I was very much enticed to join public nouns, but I ended up not joining. Uh, mm -hmm. Like again, coming to the success part, right? I mean, let's let's take venture capital for example, right? What do they do? They go out there, they sell their expertise, and then they go out and you know raise funds. And their success then depends on you know the investments that they're making and how are those turning out. Uh, the major difference here is like you know uh, when people uh, as VCs go out and raise funds. Uh, what they sell is like their expertise, you know, like 10s and 20 years of, you know, experience in that particular domain that uh, lets, you know, the LPs think that, okay, these are the guys to, you know, make the right bets. Uh, I think, you know, that 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 is something that lagged in now stuff. Uh, it, it is a very novel structure. I definitely agree with the part where you say that, you know, the builder part, you know, uh, giving this exclusive type of access to people and then helping them you know, build multiple uh, noun-ish DAOs, you know, for different specific use cases is something that is very novel. Uh, but when it comes to the actual success or when it comes to the actual vision of what they actually wanted to establish with nouns DAOs specifically and nothing else is what has led to this news probably. Yeah, totally. And let's get into the news in a second. I, I think what's really cool about some DAOs that again, I think really didn't used to happen before DAOs came around is that you don't always have to know what your goal is when you get into a DAO, at least when you start a DAO. And the reason for that is that never before could you join an organization where you know that you automatically get to get your equal share of right over deciding what happens with the organization's money, right? You always had to mm -hmm. give your money and trust that the board or person was going to spend it in accordance with the reason you're joining. As a result, that board or that person had to say ahead of time, here's what we're going to do, right? Here's what the money's mm -hmm. for. Otherwise, no one would have given mm -hmm. them money. But now when you, let's say you're the 50th or 100th person to join Nouns DAO, you're going to, and again, this is all whales, right? But you, you're going to put in $50,000 to buy your NFT. And you know, that gives you, you know, 1% voting rights over $5 million worth of treasury. You don't necessarily need to know a lot about the point because you get as much of a say as everyone else in, in what happens mm -hmm. with that money. So I, I do, and uh, I do think that's one interesting thing about DAOs. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I, I would sort of disagree with that uh, respectfully. Uh, like let's say like let's let's uh pick it up from this example like let's say there are thousand great DAOs. it's established that you know there are like thousand great groups of people you know working together on something how would you pick which ones to join and you can only join 10 how would you go about joining those right i mean you need to have some criteria you need to it, it can be internal it can be just the motivation it cannot be random right it cannot be just that okay there's a thousand and i'll randomize and pick those 10 right there has to be some link that, you know, connects you with the larger goal that the DAO wants to achieve. Probably, you know, just after that, you can just go out and do whatever you want in the DAO and you can see that how, how it close out for you in the long run. But I think initially to make that decision whether or not you should join this DAO or, you know, that DAO, I think it's very important. Developers DAO, right? I mean, becomes the top target for, you know, developers. Why? It, it connects with them, right? They don't know that what they're going to do in that particular DAO, but they know that you know it's it's for the same tribe, it's for us, right? So that was the perspective here. I, I think that's a great point, and and I'll shift my 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 perspective to maybe somewhere in the middle, which is I still think that yeah. DAOs 
allow for less alignment to be determined before you join than used to be the case. So yeah, I mean, yeah, nouns, okay. maybe it was maybe it's a little far to the extreme. And maybe that's why we're seeing some of this news we're seeing now, which we'll get to in a second, in that like, yeah. it was just a cool PFP, maybe, maybe that was it, right? It was cool art. But I think anytime you have shared interest, shared values, for example, that might be enough. It's like, look, we all know that we believe something that Correct. not everyone in this world believes, and we want to do something to further that mission. Let's all get together and pool some money and decide what to do together. And I think still the barrier to the, the, the minimum level of like advanced alignment is lower than if you were like donating money to a nonprofit as opposed to buying a governance token you have to like trust ahead of time that they're going to do the right stuff with the money aligns with those values. And I think now maybe there's a little bit, a little bit less um, of trust that's needed ahead of time. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, when, when we talk about a traditional government, right. I mean, even before the voting starts and even before, you know, we, we pick the right people, uh, they, they actually pitch, right. They say that why they want to be a, you know, like the leaders and why they think that they are the best people for this job. I think one of the parts that you know these nounish DAOs missed was like it was it was directly related to finances, right? I mean, you you have the money in the account, you win the auction, and you boom, you become a part of the DAO, right? I mean, there was no no other criteria. Like if you are building such a huge DAO with such a you know shared vision, I think I, I really like you know what they're actually doing. I mentioned that this structure is like very novel, but like the the idea behind you know like picking people or like you know choosing the right people. Is something that I think because of which we are here. If if the decision of choosing the right people was there, like you know, there would have been a criteria for picking those people who are actually a part of the option. I think this would have been a bit different because at that time, you know, a lot of people had money to spare and they were like, okay, this is great being a part of community. A lot of them might have thought that okay, the value would you know like pump up and then we would you know go out of the community. We don't want to be a part of uh, you know funding projects or something. I mean, I'm unsure about how many people even understand the project that are president announced now, right? I mean, uh, so that's that's my thought. Yes. Okay. So good good segue into the news. So. What's happening here is so it's NounsDAO, which has hundreds of millions of dollars worth of ETH in their treasury, um, uh, decided so there was a voted to, and I, I, I'm not sure exactly. It's a little different because what's happening is a fork, right? So, yeah. uh, but I, I think this was approved through a vote. What's happening is anyone in Nouns right now can uh, vote to be part of this new fork that's going to split off with their share of the treasury. So if I think around the time of the article, 40% or maybe at least a few days ago, 40% of nouns holders have voted to fork into a new noun. So they're going to take their 40% of the treasury. So again, 50 or hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and in the new nouns, there's one thing that's different. Right. Aside from just a different mm -hmm. group of people now that don't, don't have the old people in it, is that you're allowed to rage quit. And, and rage quit for the audience, if you don't know, means that you can actually leave Nouns DAO, right? Burn your NFT, lose your, your membership and governance in the organization and get your share of the treasury's money as you go. So if you have an NFT that represents one one hundredth, just as an example, of a $5 million treasury, you can actually take your $50,000 and, and leave. Um, and so it's not clear whether, I mean, everyone doing this may be doing it because they want to take their chunk of the treasury and leave. There could be other reasons why some of these folks just maybe feel like that's the right model and that it's important to have a rage quit 
a, a feature and therefore let's go fork and be the noun that does have a rage quit. And especially, I mean, from what I, from what I heard from some of the folks in nouns last few days is that, that there is a kind of a rational reason to feel that way. That's not just about, you know, wanting to leave and take your money, which is that it, it, it they want it to be okay to have, they want to encourage financial investment in the NFT, right? They want to encourage people to come in, buy one of their new, whatever, fork nouns, whatever they're going to call it, for $50,000 $50, with the hope of, of getting back 100000 or a million. And, and therefore, you know, having this rage quit makes it more likely that someone would be willing to invest, which means you'll get more money in the meantime. And as long as people do stay, you have that larger market cap and that larger amount of money to, to spend. So um, I can see both sides. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. Um, it, it's a really interesting debate and uh, going to be interesting to see what this new uh, nouns fork does with their, with their, new, their new DAO. Definitely, definitely. Cool. All right. So let's turn to the next article. Uh, this one is from Cointelegraph. And uh, the headline is, Crypto companies form Texas blockchain group to advocate for clear regulations. A16Z Crypto, Coinbase, Ledger, Bain Capital Crypto, Blockchain Capital, and Paradigm joined to advocate for clear regulations. All right. So obviously, I'm interested in this one. If people that listen to the show know that we do legal entities, that's, that's our focus area at MyDAO. And we're focused on the Marshall Islands. That's where we're helping draft legislation and trying to create the best uh, legal and regulatory framework in the world for DAOs. Uh, lots of people are talking about this, though. And I got to give credit to the United States. Other than the Marshall Islands, the United States is the only country where they have passed DAO-specific legislation. A lot of other countries have talked about it or they've said, hey, come use our Cayman Foundation company. We can kind of fit it into a DAO model or come use our Panama Foundation. We can make it work. And then a lot of countries have talked about introducing DAO legislation. But other than the Marshall Islands, no one's done it except for about 10 states in the United States. Um, so I think that is really cool. I mean, I'm American. Um, and uh, this latest project is in Texas. And one of the things that's unique about this project is that what they're advocating for is not a new legal entity for DAOs. It's not a DAO LLC, which is what we created and what a lot of states in the U.S. have created. Um, it's not what Utah did recently, which is a whole new legal entity for DAOs that's not an LLC. This one, from, from what the article says, is just a new default treatment for DAOs that's different from an unincorporated association. And let me just go into this in a little more detail what that means. So, you know, generally speaking, the reason that it's really important for most DAOs to form a legal entity is that if, if any group of people gets together in a common enterprise project, et cetera, co collects money together, does, does things together, there's a default treatment that the law will give those people, which is called an unincorp unincorporated association. What that means is that the people involved are personally liable for the actions of that organization and the other people involved. So if you get involved in a DAO, it doesn't have a legal entity and that DAO gets sued or gets in trouble, you could lose your house, right? You could lose your car. You literally, all of your personal assets can be at stake. Um, and so in most cases, that's not gonna be an ideal scenario. Um, and so the usual solution is, well, form a legal entity, right? Just like any startup knows that one of the first things you do is you go create your corporation or your LLC. If you're in the States or even otherwise, often it's a Delaware C Corp, right? Everyone knows that's the first thing you do. And, and this is really one of the main reasons why. 
What's different about what they are trying to do in Texas, at least they're talking about trying to do, um, is they want to actually change that default treatment so that if you meet their definition, which hasn't been written yet, but their definition of what is a DAO. So for example, there's a token, it's decentralized, no one person has too much power, maybe there's no managers, there's no board, things like that. If you meet that definition, then you automatically get a different legal treatment without having to register a legal entity. And that that treatment would be different from an unincorporated association, at least insofar as uh, you would not have personal liability. And, and possibly you'd get some of the other benefits that come along with legal entities. So um, I think this is really cool. I, I have no idea you know, wh wh where it's going to go. Um, I, I think it's, it, it, it makes sense that you might want to treat a DAO differently from a normal group of people that's getting together and doing something together because at least it can be different depending on the nature of the DAO. So anyways, excited to see what happens here. Uh, what do you think, Naveen? Yeah, I think brilliant. I mean, uh, I think who better than these guys to sort of, you know, go in front of the government and, you know, ask for this, right? I mean, they are the ones who are leading, leading the space with the investments and they are the ones who are, you know, like always trying to push this innovation forward. So I'm definitely, you know, like uh, positive about this. I think, you know, uh, I think they also have, uh, they are also planning to launch some sort of educational program, you know, for the government officials. I think these are steps in the right direction and will definitely boost some confidence in, you know, people who are currently a part of a DAO or, you know, are planning to join a part of a DAO or can even think of, you know, DAOs as their career choice, right? I mean, and not as something they're doing on a part-time basis or they're doing because the community is cool. So I think uh, a yeah. really good step in the right direction, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, now that I think about it, I guess I could I could see one hole to poke in this model, which is I, I think the one of the ideas behind limited liability and traditional uh, legal entities or companies that you register with the government is it's kind of a trade. So kind of like with patents, the trade is tell us exactly how this thing works now. And in exchange, you get to be the only person who gets to, to do it or build it for 20 years, right? Plus, depending on the industry, et cetera. And, and so you're kind of, it's a trade between society. Like now everyone can build on top of it. Now everyone gets to copy it eventually without paying anything, right? Now you can build similar things because you learned what you learned from the patent. I think similar with companies, the deal is tell the world, tell the government what you're up to how your organization is structured, right? So, so tell us who's in charge, if, if anyone, and, and, and what that leadership structure is and who's liable for what, who's responsible for what. Tell us you know, how we can identify you and know when it's you, your, your business that's signing a document versus just one of the people involved. Um, so, so they're saying, you know, oh, and, and like, tell us who's going to be paying taxes, right? Tell us that this thing exists and it's going to be paying taxes and in, in, in which way you want to pay taxes. In exchange, we'll grant you that limited liability, right? We'll let you treat this thing as separate and distinct from the people that happen to be involved in it, at least in most cases. So I do wonder if this idea of just default treatment for DAOs is really going to fly when the government might say, yeah, but like you're, you're forgetting your side of the bargain as an organization, you're supposed to register for a reason. And that's why we're giving you limited liability. So be interesting mm -hmm. to see what happens there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's better, right? I mean, let's say if today me and you are going to start a new DAO, I mean, uh, and we, we think that it's going to be the next big thing. It's going to be the next big DAO. And, we, you know, we have a plan to conquer the world. 
uh, why why would uh, you know me or you like hesitate in sort of getting that that clarity in front of the government size right i mean we shouldn't uh, definitely there can be parts that we know that will be changed or you know in in the long run you know things things might not work out but i think there's no harm in sort of i i think people shouldn't step back from going in front of the regulators and saying that yeah we are running these dows and uh, we plan to build this we went to we plan to do this and we have an entire global community working on this we have these 10 people who take uh, care of these things but they are you know like think of them as variables they keep changing based on you know how the community decides so i think giving that clarity to the regulators is not something that we should hesitate from and i think if anything this will only boost the people and will make people more confident in dows Mm, yeah. Yeah. Good point. I mean, I even think about so in the Marshall Islands, one of the things we really like about our legislative framework is that there's again, there's a trade where virtually everyone in the DAO is allowed to be anonymous. Right. So just by holding the token, you can be a, a legal member of the DAO and get that liability protection without giving your name, your physical address, anything. But in exchange, two things. One is that someone has to give their real information. Right. Some founder, leader, nominee that you want to elect to do it has to give their information so that at least we know who we can track down and like hand over a piece of mail to if if you need to um or or ask them hey where what happened to the dow what's going on uh, or maybe they owe taxes um and the other thing is that because basically the dows are committed to running their dow on open public blockchains so that the government can see what they're doing right and 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 make sure that they're not doing anything sketchy which is more visibility than any government ever gets into traditional companies and so it's kind of like a trade where okay we'll let everyone be anonymous in exchange for you know these these couple of things and um i think uh i think that's it's a fair trade yeah definitely yeah All right. Uh next article is from uh Yahoo Finance and the headline is From Fukuoka to the World, the Japanese DAO trying to shake up sports fandom. Uh this is cool. We've talked about stories like this on the show before, but I really like to highlight some of the really fun things happening in the world of DAOs because it's not all business, it's not all legal issues. Uh this is a DAO called the Avispa Fukuoka Sports Innovation DAO and this DAO is connected to a a soccer team, a football team uh, or club. And uh I think and I've written about this also on, you know, in the media, but I I think uh sports DAOs are such a great example of what's going to be really fun and cool about DAOs. It's an example where even if you don't give economic ownership to the members of the DAO and I think you could go either way on that right so you're not necess- it's not necessarily a financial endeavor it's an endeavor to engage your fans more and and I think sports is just I mean in every industry they think about engaging their customers but in sports I think it's a little more obvious where like the whole point of it is to engage keep the fans engaged because that's how eventually you convert that into making money and I think it's to me it's just a no-brainer I mean it sounds crazy today for example to let all the fans of a team vote on whether or not to do a trade or whether or not to like start a player or bench a player and i don't know if that's how far this dao is going but that's the idea is that that's where dao's will eventually go in sports and you know a lot of people i talk to about this say yeah but fans don't know how to make the right decision and and i think you can say i think a perfect analogy is democracy right well regular people don't know how to make the decision all right but regular people prefer 
that they get to make the decision rather than letting an autocrat make all the decisions for, for the country. And I really just think on principle, the same thing's going to happen in sports. You're going to have one team where the fans have no governance rights whatsoever and another team where the fans get to make important decisions about the team. And, and the fans are going to flock to the one where they get to be part of those decisions. And so free market forces are going to eventually force all teams to introduce this. So it won't just be fantasy football. It won't just be betting on football. It'll be literally you get to help run the actual football team. And, and I, th- I think that's coming. Hmm. Oh, very interesting take. They're like fans, fans picking up and structuring teams and everything. Uh, again, I think it comes, comes back to how, how we think that DAOs are going to be structured, right? I mean, uh, if you are saying that there, there is a need for certain expert people to be in the DAO in order to be valuable, and then if we go out and say that, no, everyone can do whatever they want, uh, I think we are sort of contradicting on that point. Uh, but I think there is definitely space for fans to get involved in how the team is functioning, in how, you know, everything is happening around the team, you know, maybe uh, get some exclusives or, you know, get a chance to be a part of, you know, of some events or something. But uh, I, I really want to, you know, sort of understand your perspective that why you think like having a sports job where fans sort of make decisions on how the team functions is going to be sort of a good thing for the teams. Yeah, so here's why it's very much like a philosophical kind of principled argument that even is hard for the emotional side of me to believe but but I but I do at the end of the day so the 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 reason is that I I think at the end of the day when you give people a choice between being a part of something that's more democratic or less democratic all other value judgments aside they're going to choose the one that's more democratic and so, again, I, I think it's the same thing with the countries of the world. I think it's because that's the only thing we really have that's like super democratic these days. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I get look, China might be better at a lot of stuff than the United States. But would most people and obviously I'm extremely biased here, but most people, given the knowledge and the choice, I believe would choose to live in America over China or would choose for China to be democratic rather than to be autocratic. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better Right. But that's what people are going to choose. And so I think in the long run, especially as technology, you know, I think I think uh, gives people more and more choice. Right. And especially when we're talking about something that is, you know, there's no monopoly of power involved in sports teams like there is in countries when people get to choose. Look, I get to be a part of something where I have zero say. Or I get to be a part of something where I get to govern the actual thing. And there can be a lot of middle ground, but I think people are going to choose the one where they get more say. And it may, it may yield worse sports teams, right? They might actually be worse at soccer. They might actually make worse management decisions and people are going to get a kick out of it. And that's, that's going to be the sports of the future is the one where people get to make good decisions and they get to make bad decisions, but they get, they get to make the decisions. But then, uh, I mean, what, what about the players, right? I mean, uh, what about them? Sports, sports is something that is supposed to be like uh, uh, a competitiveness. You know, it, it uh, brings it. I mean, athletes go into trainings. You know, everyone is like motivated to win. Everyone wants to be, you know, great at what they do when it comes to sports. Uh, don't you think that all those sides, like, you know, when it comes to the players and everyone who is like actually trying or, you know, wanting to be an athlete and then like getting giving these people the power to make the decision 
uh, again, which is not based on their skill, but which is based on what the people want right now, uh, how would you sort of justify that scenario? Yeah, so I would say, again, it, it really comes from a very philosophical place. But I also believe that, so again, to use the country analogy again, I also believe democracies win in the end also. I do think they they win in military, they won, win at economics, they win at, at, at people choosing them, like I said before. I think even though it's hard to see in the short run, like just being, being a part of the United States and just the amount of rancor and the amount of terrible decisions, the amount of... Uh, gerontocracy of people that literally like their kids have have now have power turning over them but they're literally running our country like because they they just they're literally like can hardly think anymore and yet somehow they're going to keep winning their their senate seat or their house seat like it seems totally crazy and yet I I do still believe in my core despite that evidence that in the long run the democratic country still wins and and I think the same is true for sports like there might be a lot of steps backwards but I still believe that the steps forward will outweigh the steps backwards and that the power of an engaged, motivated, excited, organized group of people will still somehow create a better soccer team than that one really smart like soccer mind that you know, mm-hmm. has always had all the power in soccer and always had the experience and might win sometimes and might win a lot of the time. But but I, I just I still think in the long run, the more democratic one will eventually mm-hmm. win. And it doesn't mean Again, it doesn't mean every, everything's going to be full rep, uh, uh, direct democracy, right? I think that's what we're yeah. still trying to figure out in the DAO space is how do we do things more democratically and, and meaningfully yeah. democratically. But, but like we haven't figured that out yet, right? Like it's clearly it's not direct democracy on everything. Like you can't like, for example, there's no way you could let the direct democracy choose where the guy is going to pass next, could you let the direct democracy maybe pick the next play in football or how aggressive the team is going to be? Like, what's the set of plays to choose from? Maybe you could go that far or and maybe somewhere in between. And also, I don't think it's as simple as just like what decisions they get to make through direct democracy. But what new systems will we develop that help a large group of people come to a decision together that's more democratic, but not necessarily just a vote? Right. So mm-hmm. like AI and actually the next story will be about AI. I think AI could be a good example and it could be AI or just technology systems. And maybe it's not AI that help us make collective decisions together better that therefore are democratic. But it's not just a vote. It's like, okay, everyone. I know this sounds kind of crazy. This is the extreme. Everyone tell the bot what they think and the bot will make the best like logical conclusion that benefits the most people based on everyone's opinion. Right. And I know it's a little scary and who knows if that's actually how it's going to go. But I do think, for example, like you could set up even non AI, but just like a structured system where let's say a judge and jury get get, and, and, and the laws of the country create the decision making framework. And then ask people about the details. What do you believe is right? You know, in, in this little part of the decision, would you rather have A or B? In this other part of the decision, what do you think is the number that represents like X in, in like philosophy? You know, whether you would like to turn the train off the tracks to kill the four people or leave it on the tracks to kill the one person, like where do you fall there? Right. And then the computer would take all that input and actually tell you, well, OK, here's the decision that actually optimizes for what everyone believes. Um, so it could, you know, some, maybe it's something more in that direction as opposed to a direct vote. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, one aspect that, that 
I think is more valuable when it comes to sports stars is something like you know coming from a country like India. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I think it's. You just need to be lucky to become a cricketer, right? I mean, there are a lot of people who are great at sports, but then they never get the chance. They never get the opportunity. So I think a DAO like sports DAO will definitely enable people to pick these right guys to you know get the spotlight. I think that is where the maximum value will come out. Uh, like, of course, in the short run, but I think in the long run, I mean, who knows? Uh, definitely, the next pass might also get decided by you know the people of the DAO. So yeah, but definitely, I think in terms of giving people more opportunities to be in front of you know those people and give them the right spotlight is something that uh, something like a sports star will be uh, great for. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, so let, let's actually segue to the last article of the week. So this article is from uh, Cointelegraph again. We don't always go Cointelegraph so much, but it is a good one. Uh, the headline is, AI will reinvent DAOs and tokenized models will be valuable. Vance Spencer. Framework Ventures co-founder Vance Spencer sees AI as being the missing piece for DAOs and shared his outlook for the tokenization of AI models. Okay, I'm going to skip the tokenized models will be valuable part, um, although you can go there if, you, if you'd like, Naveen, um, and just focus on mm-hmm. AI will reinvent DAOs. So I'm, and I'm also going to leave aside what I was just talking about, whether AIs eventually will like incorporate all of our beliefs into making decisions. It's a bigger and more difficult question and maybe le- less likely based on just how we currently do things. Um, but I think there's one really obvious use case for AI and DAOs that I, I personally would love, I, I would pay for it to day like for if i could have one and that's like mm-hmm. my dao assistant not my dao the company my like my like my assistant my ai assistant that follows all of my daos that i'm part of and helps me see what's going on and when i need to pay attention to what right and so like today I'm not even a part of that many DAOs. Let's say like four or five DAOs, right? And I think in the long run, people are going to be part of a lot of DAOs, a lot of DAOs, and partly because of this AI. What the AI needs to do is be able to watch these two Discord servers, these two Telegram chats, this forum website, these five like smart contracts watching for proposals and maybe flow of money. And it needs to be able to tell me like every day, a little box on my window that says like, hey, there's not really much going on. There's a little conversation over here. If you want to check it out, it's about an event for ETH Denver next year. Over here, there's actually a proposal that got launched. Like here's the title, click here to check it out. I, I just think today, and I've talked to so many people about this. I'm curious if you agree, but like, I it, unfortunately, it sounds crazy because like, why can't a modern human being manage this, especially that uses technology all the time? But I, you just cannot get me to check two or three Discord servers, two or three Telegram chats, two or three web pages, and several like governance platforms every single day, even every single week. It just doesn't happen. Like stuff comes up get busy, I get tired of using my computer at the end of the day, I just don't want to bounce around to all these apps. And, and so I, I actually think this AI not only will be incredibly valuable for people, and you could also build it on a one-off basis for each DAO, which I know some people are kind of doing that kind of thing. Maybe you are, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, but to have that for all your DAOs, that also allows you to be part of a lot more DAOs, right? Once I have that, yeah. it doesn't just make it easier to be a part of my five. It means maybe I can be a part of 25. And I think actually that's going to be a big shift that is one of those things that DAOs is going to make really different about the world of the future from the world of today is that people who today I think are feeling very disenfranchised from their country, from their state, from their city, even from the organizations and the items they used to own that now they just rent, 
right? And the government, maybe that in, historically people would have participated in, and now it's like, oh, I just I don't have any control over that. I think people are subconsciously itching for ownership and like membership in stuff. And I think AI mm-hmm. is going to make it possible for you to own a little part or govern a little part of 25 or 50 or 100 things in your life that you don't today, right? The, your, the schools your kids might, are or might be involved in, the parks, the cities, the organizations that you buy products from, the coffee shop, the supermarket, you're going to have little governance rights in all these things. And that's going to, I think that's going to make you feel proud of, 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 of who you are. Um, and there's, the only way that can happen is if AI helps you be a part of these DAOs, right? So what do you think about that future? Yeah. Is it coming? Okay, yeah. So definitely, uh, I mean, I agree with the problem where, you know, a contributor is a part of, you know, 10, 15, 20 DAOs. I mean, they, they need to be on top of everything that is going and that's that's not possible, right? Because uh, maybe because the technology didn't exist. I mean, maybe because there were no tools or no platforms where this can be done. Uh, what we're building at Samudai also, you know, like we have a proper uh, contributor aggregator built, right? I mean, at just one place, you can see uh, what are the different tasks, what are the different actionables that you have been assigned when it comes to different DAOs. Let's say you're a part of 20 DAOs, but then you have your own space where you can just see that which one requires your time and attention right now. So uh, definitely it is something that is already out there. Let's say if, if we are already building it, it's out there. But when it comes to what AI can help, you know, is definitely making people give those context pieces that will help them in governance side of things, right? I think that is where more value is going to come out from this AI part that you mentioned, which is like, you know, letting people know that, okay, there has been this proposal, but then this is the brief summary of, you know, what people have been discussing in the forum. Uh, But again, I can see it as a value add, but not as a critical problem solver of everything. Because when it comes to projects and different parts, I think it's the it's the contributor who end of the day needs to take the action, right? I mean, AI is as good as just letting you know everything, telling you everything that you want to know in the way you want to know it and in, in a very specific format. But end of the day, like when it comes to the tasks, when it comes to, you know, like uh, going and interacting in the community, let's say you're a community manager in a DAO, I mean, how can an AI help you? It, it cannot, right? You need to go out in the community, you need to engage with people, you need to understand what are the problems of these people. Uh, let's say you are something, some sort of a culture officer in a DAO. I mean, you need to go out there, you need to be there. And I think when it comes to those things, when it comes to things that needs to be done, uh, having something like an aggregated project manager along with an AI value add is something that is going to be uh, a better future, I think. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think too, I mean, I, I would also for sure agree that what I des- the scenario I describe is for like the casual DAO, like observer, lurker, voter, as opposed to someone who's like a leader or a contributor, right? Or an employee or, or a contractor for a DAO that actually really needs to like be there all the time. Um, and like mm-hmm. there's at some, like at some level, we all only have so much time in the week. There's, there's no way, like I don't, th- I hate to ever say there's no way because then it usually happens. But I, I want to say like, there's no way that like a developer could work for like 20 different DAOs because that's like two hours a week 
but I, I don't know. In the future, we're, we're going to, who knows? Let, let's take this as an opportunity to transition to the, the guest interview. We just started talking a little bit about Samadai, and I want to hear more. Um, before we do, mm-hmm. uh, uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning into the Just Out News Report. A quick ad for MyDAO, uh, which is my company and our sponsor, is uh, just uh, that we provide what we think are the world's best legal entities for DAOs. And we have a network of lawyers and tax advisors and other partners that we can introduce people to for free can help find you the right one. Often they'll offer you a free 30-minute call. If you are a lawyer or someone who might be interested in being a partner of MyDAO, also please reach out and we can talk about what that looks like. All right, turning to the featured guest interview with Naveen from Samudai, let's do it. So before we dig into what Samudai does in more detail, which I'm really looking forward to, let's take one step, step back, Naveen. How did you get into Web3 and DAOs in the first place? Yeah, so uh, it was during my undergrad when when we started, you know, uh, we were like uh, roommates, like, you know, four or five roommates, we started reading about, you know, like blockchain at that time. Uh, it, it was like uh, very trending at that point. But then we sort of never followed it on. Uh, cut to Imperial when I'm pursuing my master's. And then like at that time, uh, I was always in touch with my, you know, co-founder Kush, who was, you know, into the rabbit hole when it came to Web3. So we started discussing, we started, you know, sort of sharing thoughts. Uh, we started making investments together and we were like, okay, this is something great. I mean, it's moving in the right direction now. It's finally time. And then like when I joined Luna Ventures, uh, when I was working there as an uh, analyst intern, uh, I sort of started, you know, evaluating companies in the space and then it's a deep tech VC. So, I mean, uh, I started evaluating more on the wallet side, security side, you know, like uh, uh, more storage protocols. When I started evaluating those, I mean, I got deeper into it and then like I ended up writing my final thesis in the blockchain space. So mm-hmm. that's how I got into uh, Web3 and DAOs. Uh, what was the thesis about? I have a feeling it's going to be kind of technical, but just curious. Uh, no, not that technical. It was uh, okay. on uh, is crypto really the Achilles heel of the financial systems? So that was is, is it. Is it really the, the oh panacea? Okay, interesting. And what, what yeah, was your yeah. answer? Yeah, that it's not. I mean, both are both are made to you know sort of coexist. I mean, no one is here to defeat the other one. It's like uh, it it helps solve the problems that uh, the web two systems haven't been able to solve, and we should embrace that. Mm. So yeah, that was that was the entire thesis around. Interesting. Okay. All right. So tell us more about Samadai. I don't know if you're involved in any other projects too, but I mean, what does Samadai do? What's the problem you're going after? How do you solve it? Yeah. So basically Samadai is a DAO ops management platform. Like again, something that people have been hearing since past two years, but uh, yeah, I mean, our vision is like very different. Like since the day we, you know, set out our foot on building this particular platform, we were very sure that we want this place to not just be a management per se platform we want this to be a place where people can really collaborate so when we say that you know the vision was to enable people to collaborate we we sort of thought of those features the things that we wanted to build in that direction you know here a DAO can collaborate with another DAO a contributor can collaborate with another contributor I mean we wanted to enable more dialogue between people and we wanted to enable like more people to sort of come into the industry and you know try out the things uh, like, let's say, you know, someone who's like very new in the industry and then they join the Samudai platform. I mean, we wanted them to feel safe. We wanted them to know that, okay, this is the place where I can find the right people to, you know, talk about, you know, what are DAOs. Uh, this is the right place to, you know, find the next opportunities. This is a nice place to, you know, uh, manage everything that I'm doing when it comes to DAOs. So that was the larger vision. And we wanted people to think of DAOs as something not freelancing, not something that they can do on a contract basis, but we wanted to, uh, make sure that you know we are enabling the people 
in making the decision that DAOs are for you know their full time opportunity. If they like working for two different DAOs and uh, play a role of a community manager in one part, you know, a developer in the other one, we want to make that possible. So that was the vision behind it. Okay, so for someone who's a little more experienced with DAOs, I mean, what are some of the features that you have, and maybe how do they compare to? Uh, other common platforms, you know, I'm curious about both on the smart contract, like governance layer, also collaboration layer. What, what are some of the features or, or capabilities that Samudai sure. offers? Sure. So basically, we are more on the consumer end. Uh, so like, you know, not not into smart contract and stuff. Uh, when it comes to like the feature level, like uh, we, we had a very different view when we started pitching for Samudai, right? I mean, we, we closed like 2.5 million pre-seed last year. Uh, so yes. our pitch was like very simple. We we don't think that, you know, vertical products are going to win. We always felt that, you know, DAOs are so close-knit that they need horizontal products. So when, when you talk about features, like there is an entire DAO dashboard where you can track the analytics, you can track, you know, the events, you can track the different proposals. It's like a widget-based dashboard where you can, you know, simply turn on, turn off the widgets that you don't want. But then there's like this entire suite of project management that is like built really well when it comes to you can categorize things by status, department, people, subtasks. You can directly post a single task of a single project directly as a job so that outside contributors can apply to it. You can make a payout from this project management page itself. Uh, there is a discovery page which we feel that, you know, is like very, very, very much necessary in this space because there are a lot of great DAOs and a lot of great contributors, but people don't know about them. And, you know, we cannot expect everyone to be out there and uh, write about what they're doing, right? Their work should speak for themselves. So we have this entire discovery page where people can uh, identify the right guys and, you know, they can connect with people like you connect on LinkedIn and you can send them a message. We have this entire chat built out. We have a forum, you know, which is built out connectively with each and every feature that we have. So like there's a project that has been started. So you can directly create a proposal or, you know, directly create a discussion around that project. You can, uh, there is a proposal that you have posted on Snapshot. You can create a forum around it and you can, you know, discuss and, uh, so everything that is on the platform is like in order to make each and every step that DAOs need to perform more efficient, it uh, is designed to make people, you know, feel that this is the place where they can do everything and they don't need to leave this platform. And that is actually true. So, yeah, I mean, if you go out and try that platform, you'll feel that, okay, this is the place. I don't really need to leave this place. Hmm. Okay. And so if you guys did not build the smart contract layer, does that mean that it will integrate with some or all kind of un, like common DAO governance uh, layer platforms. So whether it's like Moloch DAO, which people may know as DAO House or Nouns DAO or Aragon um, or their own mm -hmm. smart contracts. How, how does that part uh, fit into sure. the Samadai platform? So basically on the Samadai platform, you cannot build DAOs. It is, it is for you like once you have built your DAO, this is the place where you come to manage your entire ops. It's like for managing everything that you do at a DAO, you know, from onboarding to projects, to payments, to discussions, to posting it for the other people, to, you know, sort of bounties and uh, like everything around, you know, managing the DAO can be done on some of that. Uh, you just need to create it somewhere and come here. Okay, cool. So you kind of leave that the core governance elsewhere, but all of the collaboration, it sounds like yes. takes place. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that is a fair assessment. Like the cool. problem that you talked about, Discord doesn't exist on some of that. So like if you're a part of 20 DAOs, mm. you can go out there and you can check everything, yeah. you know, what you're doing on all those 20 DAOs. That's awesome. So do most of your DAOs not even use a Discord or a Telegram in addition? They do it all within Samadai? So, I mean, 
we we went with this approach that we never wanted to force them uh, because i mean it cannot happen in one day the transition takes time so we also have integration with discord where you know all the roles are fetched mm-hmm. and you know on our platform you can give them access according to those roles or you know you have uh, we recently launched like you know a couple of days back we launched telegram notifications so i mean nice. everything that happens on the platform you can get a notification there so the goal was not to you know tell them to stop using this and come on the platform but to help them realize the value of the platform in itself when they start using it so yeah cool i i think that's smart i mean i feel like the one part of business this goes beyond dows that's really hard to get people to do in one place is that just informal communications like day-to-day communications like unless you are the most strict company in the world even there you i don't think you really stop people from texting each other on their personal phones yeah like you become friends with someone you call them you text them you see them outside of work you talk there you know irl um and then so and even if it's like telegram especially with DAOs, telegram discord you know, Slack, you happen to know one of the other contributors and you guys talk somewhere else about other stuff, the topic will come up and you'll talk there. So um, I think yeah. it's really hard to get people to abandon that freedom of just like where you want to chat with yeah, someone. Yeah, but I mean, uh, definitely you need to give them an option, right? So like, uh, because let's say they're working on some of that. So we felt that as you mentioned, like, you know, uh, stopping people from chatting is something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people have power to do that until unless all the messaging applications are shut down in one day. Uh, so yeah. that is that is what, you know, we also, you know, thought of and Samuda has a proper chat system built. So you oh, can okay. chat on the same platform, like okay. while you're in the project space, you can literally click on the contributors icon and you can chat with, chat with that contributor and say that, okay, hey, how's this work going? Or you can go out and you can chat with other people. You can, uh, let's say me and you are not a part of the same now. I saw you in the discovery page as a contributor. I connected with you and uh, now we both can chat on the platform. So like you mm-hmm. can think of it like a proper project management plus the LinkedIn part, like, you know, specifically like, you know, mm-hmm. connecting with different people, talking to them, learning from them, from their profile, mm-hmm. looking at what they're doing and all those things are there. That's awesome. Clearly something that we need in the space. Um, you yeah, know, maybe. let me ask you this. So... How do you think about the fact that people are on a lot of different platforms? And to me, they're not likely to all go to one platform. But is is your thought that, I guess I could see three options. I'm sure you could think of more. But one is that you just try to win and you want everyone to use one platform because that's going to be the ideal solution. Two is that you integrate in some way with other platforms or with aggregators so that Samadai integrates everything on Samadai, but then I can also see all the stuff that's integrated through some other tool that that works in a different ecosystem um, or, or whatever it is. And I guess the other option is just not worry about that and just assume, look, people might use Samadai and two other tools and that's not the end of the world. What's your vision there? Yeah, so the vision is like to go with the point two, right? I mean, a lot of people have already built things that, you know, work well, right? I mean, so uh, we don't want to reinvent the wheel all the time. Uh, so we are like very integration focused on things that already work. So like you have proper safe integration, you have Google calendar integration, you have discord integration, you have, you know, push protocol integration, you have all of these integration, you know, uh, that, that people use today. So the goal is to make sure that, you know, we keep adding those, but at the same time also keep improving our product in a sense that, you know, what people need from it. Uh, definitely when it comes to like, let's say the long term, 
we want people to use samuda as the platform where they can you know pick and choose and connect what they want in a way they want to so the goal was always to make it very customizable for people so that they don't feel the need to go on different platforms but yeah definitely a very integration focused approach cool awesome all right well so let's turn to talking about kind of how things are going with dows you know from your perspective you know i, I think someone someone in your position who's building tools for DAOs gets to talk to a lot of DAOs, right? You may be part of a lot of DAOs to yourself, but you get to talk to your prospects, your clients, um, yeah. DAOs that use other platforms. Uh, so I'm curious, I mean, from that experience, could you maybe think about one thing that's going really well for DAOs that they are doing really well, and then maybe one thing that is not going so well or that people are still really struggling with? Okay, so one thing I think that is going really well, uh, I think uh, I can say a couple of things. One is like you know there is this rise of decide hours, right? Uh, okay. Let's let let it let's it you know just put it out there. They have nailed the use case. I mean yeah. they they found DAOs a structure where they can uh, enable people to uh, do collective scientific research. I mean it was you know very difficult previously. and DAOs provide exactly the structure and solution they needed so i see that going really well for DAOs and uh, i think that in time to come we will see more of such use cases you know coming up i mean uh, a year before we were not talking about these DAOs there was just beta DAO and people were like great great what are doing they are doing funding but then like recently we have like valley DAO open science DAO lab DAO and now we are seeing this entire you know huge uh, band of DAOs who are you know joining this particular zone so i think that is going really well the other part of this is going really well is like collective investments right i mean investment dows uh, as a whole why i think it is very very unique because coming from you know vc background what is always like you know sourcing or you know getting the multiple perspectives or you know expanding to those new global locations where you wanted the deals is is very difficult for a vc if they don't really have that network there of course vcs are the people who have one of the most strongest networks on the planet i think i can say that and uh, like when it even after that if you are you know like sort of lacking in terms of sourcing or you know like expanding to that particular location deals i think you know dows make that possible and it also enables people to understand how innovation is funded so i think these are the two things that are going really well uh, when oh. it comes to one thing that is not going well right i mean i think uh, dows are sort of struggling with building a sustainable community and talent uh yeah Okay. I think it's, it's very clear that they're, they're they're struggling with that. Okay, so let's dig into each of those a little bit more. So first of all, for anyone in the audience that's not familiar with the term DSI, it's it stands for decentralized science, and I'm really interested to hear you say that because I can't say that I've personally seen a lot of that success myself. I have heard at least one or two other people talk about how excited they are about the space. Um, but but maybe you could talk a little bit more. I mean, what what is it people are doing with these DSI DAOs? Is it like universities that are members of DAOs? Is it actual scientific researchers? Is it maybe because I've heard about this too, just people that want to like do their own citizen science and do it in a structured way. Is it leaning in one of those directions or all of the above? No, I think uh, it's it's like the second one. uh like people okay. are more scientific and they they are you know coming and then they are writing proposals of what type of a research they actually want to conduct and then like you know these are guys from imperial you know like the guys from harvards and like all these people you know trying to do collective research and uh, that that is where you know they are direction towards okay so it's kind of it's like scientists working on a similar problem or or problem space 
that just want a better way to collaborate than just joining like a Slack channel or something. Correct. Plus like getting access to grants, right? I mean, that has yep. been like one of the most important things. So hmm. yeah, like having a grant uh, from DAOs, like enables them, like, you know, something that they couldn't get from their institutions hmm. and, you know, now they can go to a DAO and they can, you know, get that grant and make that project happen. Right. So yeah. Interesting. These two okay. angles. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay. And I'm trying to remember the second thing you said. Investment um, DAOs. Investment DAOs. Yeah. So thank you. So I, I love that because I think, you know, it's funny. I was in an Uber the other day, a permissionless. And I feel like these days, almost every Uber driver can have a conversation with me about crypto in some way. And it's not even always like, oh, this token, you know, blah, blah. This Uber driver, you know, uh, we were talking about kind of use cases for blockchain. And he said something that I hear a lot these days that I have mixed feelings about. And that is that, so, so you know, five or 10 years ago, people would have said, okay, you know, blockchain is Bitcoin, right? Basically, it's money or it's a new type of money or asset. Now I hear people like the Uber driver say um, something which is pretty smart, which is, you know, B Bitcoin money was just the first use case, but the technology for blockchain is so much more. Like blockchain is not just money, all these other use cases. And I think what people are actually now, I think that's better that we want. That's what we want everyone to believe generally. But I think money is actually one of the best use cases for blockchain, right? Like we've invented a new money. Like that's incredible. It hasn't happened in a long, long, long time. And changing the way money works on earth might be the most impactful thing that, that, that blockchain does. At least there may, there may be more other things too, but that's huge, right? Like, it's not like, oh, well, mm -hmm. that was just this one thing, but that wasn't that big. Now it's, it's now it's yeah. more about the technology. So I think also use cases related to money are really great on blockchain because it's already solved the money use case in terms of like, having the technology for it. And so anytime you want to manage money as a group of people or, or create automated money related interactions like DeFi, um, uh, that that's that's a great use case today for blockchain, and so I think investment DAOs is a great example where it's really easy technologically on blockchain to pool money and then vote on what you're going to do with it together. And I think that's something yeah. a lot of investors want to do, whether it's individuals or funds, is pool money and then decide together what to do with it. So I think that's just like a really easy use case in some ways for for DAOs. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think when it comes to investment DAOs. Uh, I'm not very, you know, optimistic about this part where everyone pulls in money and makes the investments, but I'm talking about the structures that are already in place, but, you know, DAOs make them more logical and more, you know, like uh, uh, controllable, which is like something like scouts. I'm, I'm sure that you must have, you know, heard of this, like, you know, venture scouts, like a lot of VCs have these venture scouts and, you know, venture partners across the globe. And then like uh, all these people, you know, help them, you know, in sourcing new startups and, you know, like doing all sort of different works and you know, research for them. Uh, when it comes to such tasks, I think these can be incentivized really well from a DAO. Like uh, they can, you know, like uh, give out a bounty or they can, you know, say that, you know, if mm. we end up investing in a startup, if they make an exit, you get this, this particular amount. So I think money management in that term is something that is very valuable in terms of investment house. But definitely like, you know, uh, there are use cases where, you know, investment house are pulling in money from people and then they are trying to invest. But then, uh, yeah, I mean, the consumer angle in this is like very difficult to sort of see envisioning as a DAO because mm. you don't know, you don't have that 20 years of expertise, right? I mean, and then when you say that you are uh, delegating it to someone, you are sort of uh, talking to uh, let's say your financial manager or, you know, like your asset manager, right? So yeah, I think it becomes on those lines. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I know I've heard a lot of investors say that even within a VC fund, for example, they don't 
create an environment where everyone has to approve something or even 51% yeah. to make an investment because then they would never make investments. They want like one or two highly convicted people or people with high conviction opinions to be able to make an investment, even if other people don't like it, as long as they've at least listened to the criticism. Um, and so I think that's probably a little harder to implement using a DAO. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's turn to the challenge. So you talked about kind of community, I think, and keeping people engaged. I mean, talk a little bit more about what is it that's that's going wrong here. Uh, in the communities part, uh, I think people thought that managing a community was easy. To be very honest, like I think you know, people who started off this doubt and thought that you know managing a community is going to be easy, they underestimated the job at hand, and because of which you know all of this happened. So why I think they under, underestimated this? You know why? Why didn't they think about this problem? I mean. The problem is big. You you cannot underestimate, you know, having a global community with very diverse background and then trying to make everyone feel inclusive and trying to make everyone, you know, aligned on your vision. And then at the same time, trying everyone to, you know, contribute. Uh, like you can do this, you know, in a one to many angle, but then when it comes to actually establishing that community culture, uh, it is like very difficult. I mean, there has to be a proper way to sort of channelize it that you know when two people are interacting and you know one guy is from let's say uk the other one is from china the conversation that goes on between them there has to be an understanding of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable i think people underestimated this challenge and because of which a lot of you know communities went silent i mean even if today you go i'm pretty sure in all the discord channels you know hardly 10 or 15 uh, community members are active it's not because the other community members didn't want to be active. They clicked that Discord link. They wanted to join. Uh, it's it's like every product, right? I mean, they, let's say I post out a website out there and people join my waitlist. Uh, they did their part. Now it's my job to make sure that, you know, the product is engaging enough that they are, you know, coming on daily to log in, right? So this is what happened with DAOs. They got in a lot of, you know, waitlist signups, but then they were not able to retain those users. So I think uh, that is where we are broken in terms of community. Mm, yeah, you know, it reminds me of, I think something that came up on the last episode that made me think, as what you just said does, that DAO members are kind of somewhere in between an employee and a user because we're kind of building, we need to build the DAO to engage the member and because it's technology, they're a lot like users. Like we have to think about the user journey. We have to think about uh, how the how, what's the actual process of them engaging with the technology. How do we build the technology? Now that I think about it, even my last corporate job, we were trying to think of our employees as being more like users or customers and think about the employee journey and how can we keep them engaged. But I think especially with DAOs, that, that's the case. And so I wonder how we can apply maybe some of the lessons learned in like product design to how to get contributors to feel more engaged at DAOs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, I mean, code was supposed to boost that, right? I mean, a lot of example could have been taken from Web2. I mean, they, a lot of companies nailed, you know, even online culture. So I think uh, mm -hmm. that is something uh, that, you know, DAOs should definitely, you know, look into and pick up and focus more on, you know, like uh, making the community feel inclusive. Like, you know, like they should feel that they are a part of this DAO. I mean, they shouldn't say that I, I work at a DAO. They should be like, okay, I work at this DAO. You know what we are planning to do? This is what we do. So you need to make sure that they're aligned with everything and they feel that they're a part of something very unique. 
Yeah, you know, it also reminds me of something I've, I've said in DAOs I've been in since the beginning, which is DAOs might not have management, but they do have leaders, right? You don't have managers, but you do Definitely. have leaders. And I think it is usually important that a small group of people is not in charge, because in most cases, people would not consider that a DAO. But that doesn't mean that any number of people don't need to step up and think about how do you lead this organization? How do you engage people around a collective and shared mission and vision? How do you ensure people have the resources they need to and the engagement they need to be effective? You know, how, how do you make sure that you're, you know, leading by example and showing people the direction to go, you know, all the kinds of things that leaders traditionally do in other organizations, we still need leaders to do in DAOs. It's just that it might not be the manager or CEO that's that's a leader. Everyone needs to think about stepping up and being a leader and trying to contribute to yeah. and, and develop that culture. And yeah, I mean, you know, that is why the cross collaboration aspect becomes very important. Like, you know, people from one DAO being able to collaborate with the people from other DAOs. I mean, that doesn't happen today. I mean, Discord doesn't mm -hmm. allow you to, you know, interact with people who are a part of a different DAO. So that is why, you know, like the angle where it comes, when it comes to the collaboration aspect, it's very important for, you know, like members across all the DAOs being able to interact with each other and understand that, okay, what is happening mm -hmm. in your DAO? Okay, great. Maybe I can propose this in my DAO and then we'll see that how, how it goes. So I think the yeah. cross DAO collaboration is like super important for contributors as well and not just for DAOs. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and when I think about collaborating with other organizations, usually you need to know who to talk to also, right? Like if I'm one company and I want to talk to someone at this other big company, there's got to be some structure around like, who do I reach out to? Or if I do reach Definitely. out, who's going to take that communication, right? Like, is there a innovation team or a business development team or a CEO that's like in that role of trying to organize collaboration? You know, I, I hear a lot of people talking about like selling to DAOs and how that's hard because you go in and you're like, here's something we think your DAO should consider. And there's no one to really take the lead on that. And I think it's going to be even harder when you go in and you say, hey, we'd, our DAO would like to collaborate with you on something. Who do you talk to? Who tries to facilitate that relationship? And I know like Bankless exactly. DAO, which is a really popular DAO and one that I'm a part of, has a DAOlationships guild which is a smaller yeah. like sub DAO almost that um, tries to uh, focus on relationships with other DAOs for that DAO. So that could be one approach people can take. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of these things can be productized. I mean, it doesn't have to be just written on paper. I mean, there can be mm. products like, you know, one feature that we have on our, our discovery page, like the discovery page has, you know, all the DAOs are on Samudai. You go on a DAO profile, uh, there is like a proper, you know, button that says, you know, uh, know more about us. And there is an individual's picture there, right? I mean, when you click on that, you directly mm -hmm. get in touch with the POC of the DAO. And then you can, you know, talk and interact with that person and see whether or not you want to join the DAO. Uh, similarly, when it comes to DAO to DAO collaboration, what we have done is like, uh, you know, admins have access to it, right? I mean, I can simply fill a form. I don't need to know if Adam is the one who's going to manage the relationship when it comes to DAO collaboration. Naveen on my end can simply fill the form, submit it. And it goes on to that DAO in their collaboration requests. And oh, in wow. their collaboration requests, they can simply accept or reject and, you know, and have a conversation. Like it's, it's that simple. It, see, so a lot of things are, you know, made overcomplicated, but I feel that, you know, a lot of things can be productized. I mean, you know, filling a form is as simple as that. I mean, it's, it's just your job to just fill the form and then the relevant individual from that and will accept it or reject it or have a conversation with you. And then you guys can take it up from there, right? So all these things are possible in some of that. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I love just using point of contact. POC is, is a great you know term for who that person is. I, I think there's a lot of things that, again, kind of like I said about leaders in a traditional company, it might have been the manager. Now yeah. we need a different like role for some of the stuff a manager used exactly. to do, but it's not a manager. So point of contact or ombuds person or even HR. Yeah. I don't think people are going to use the word HR, but like we need the stuff that <laughs> HR traditionally does in DAOs a lot of the time too. So whatever we yeah. want to call it. Um, that's cool. Is there, did you guys build in or any kind of like HR related capability? Uh, like, what do you mean when you wanted to know HR related capability? I guess HR is a lot of different stuff. So, I mean, onboarding is yeah. an obvious one. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess I'm thinking about like conflict management, conflict resolution, or like complaints. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing of that sort, but I think we have a very powerful feature, which is like, we have our own form. So like, think of Google Forms, but that is like our native form. So there's this space where you can create a form for everything. Like you can create a form related to investment, you can create a form related to a conflict, you can create a form related to anything that you want, and then you can place it wherever you want on the page. And then people can simply click on that, fill the form, and then the POC, you know, will take care of that. So it's, it's cool. that simple. So I think that is a very powerful feature that we have. Awesome. Neat. Okay. Um, so we're getting a little bit close to the end here, but I want to ask you maybe a few questions. I'll ask them all at once and you can kind of choose where you want to focus uh, your, your mm -hmm. time. Um, but I want to think about advice for people starting DAOs today and, and especially thinking about someone who's new to the world of DAOs and advice could take the form of like number one, recommendation. Also any mm -hmm. favorite tools, I guess this is an easy one for you because Samadai is definitely your favorite, <laughs> but if there's any other tools yeah. you want to recommend, uh, or favorite DAOs that people should check out, you know, if you're new to the DAO space, what, what's a DAO you might want to consider joining first? Sure. So I'll, I'll start with like, you know, uh, the, the best things that, you know, anyone who's starting off in the DAO, DAO space right now can do. So one, uh, this is around structure of DAOs. The structure of DAOs is like very flexible. So if anyone is starting out, you know, in building their own DAO, they shouldn't, you know, sort of overcomplicate it. Uh, I think there is this one line that I keep saying, which is like processes are meant to make things simpler and not like complicated. They are meant to make things mm. habitual. So don't make it work. Mm. Keep it simple and it will work out. Uh, the second is like, you know, there should be a great focus on community and talent. Uh, it shouldn't be like, you know, uh, a place where anyone can come and do anything that they want. There should be some sort of a check. There should be some sort of a, you know, like process in building your community and, you know, in building the right talent. Because once you have that core team set, like, you know, that is also talked about, you know, startups, like when you have your founding team set, right? I mean, you need to make sure that, you know, your core team is like proper set and they are like the ones who will lead from the front without telling them that, you know, you need to lead. So you really need to focus on the community and talent side of things. A community culture is something that I talk about, you know, that comes into that. And the final thing is like, focus on being a value at DAO. Like focus on being a value at DAO. Like don't, don't just be a DAO for fun. I mean, of course, mm -hmm. if, if your goal is, you know, to be for fun there, I mean, great, be there. But then with time, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, you know, you will see people dropping off and then you will feel like, okay, the engagement has dropped. Uh, even in fun, identify the value that you're doing. Like, I mean, yeah. uh, what, what sort of fun you're doing? I mean, let's say it's a place where every week you get a stand-up comedian to, you know, sort of uh, engage in uh, audio comedy. I mean, you don't know someone to get, you know, to do mimicry. Uh, that is a fun now. 
but again, yep. there is some sort of a value, like, you know, Friday night, everyone is coming from, you know, work and then they feel that, okay, I'll just go in that DAO. I mean, a lot of fun would have been going on there right now. So be a value at DAO, yep. like focus on adding value in terms of growth. Like, because when you are very value oriented, uh, growth comes automatically. So I think, you know, that is, those are the three advices that I would give yep. to people who so are let, trying let, to do yeah. that right now. Let's pause on those for a second. I, I love those. And, you know, what I would often tell someone, and, and I think it fits really well with what you're, what you're talking about is at least decide and document ahead of time certain things, things like what you're yeah. talking about. Like you should state your purpose, even if the purpose is there is no purpose, right? People yeah. need to know. And because it's all digital, usually you got to document it, right? It can't just, it usually cannot just be verbal. Maybe there's a situation where that could work, but like at least document, like what is the purpose? Maybe document or at least have some sense of like, how do people join? And I think that is usually something have to kind of decide when they launch a DAO because they've got to choose the technology yeah. for, for running the DAO um, from a technical perspective. But like, is this a DAO where the highest bidder gets to join? Is this a DAO where anyone, literally anyone gets to join? Is it a DAO where anyone with certain values gets to join? That's probably a tough one to enforce. Or is this a DAO yeah. where the next person who joins has to be chosen by the existing DAO or by a certain committee or by the founder for a while, right? Whatever that is, again, it's important to know and, and think about, well, okay, what are the implications? Like, what do we need to do to stick to that particular goal or structure? So I think in a lot of yeah. ways, um, just put something, I, I usually tell, but like, put some things in writing, right? Some kind of document yeah. that says, here are the non-negotiables. Like, even if anyone can join, you're joining knowing that these are the rules. Yeah, I mean, also just to, you know, top that off, you know, with, with one other thing that, you know, uh, they should actually focus on definitely they should be very open like this is a simple advice like you know be be open like you know uh, make partnerships you know go to different DAOs like engage with different DAOs on projects like be out there it's it's very important it's it's so much so important like you are not building a corporation you're not building a startup DAOs mean community and I I it breaks my heart to see that you know a lot of DAOs have stopped doing that I don't see DAO posts out there, you know, engaging with people. I don't see DAO posts out there partnering with different people or, you know, like, you know, a contributor from X DAO talking with a contributor from Y DAO on a podcast and, you know, like uh, telling, hmm. talking about the DAOs and their work experience across, you know, multiple DAOs. I, it, it really, it really feels that, you know, that part is something that they are not able to figure out which is something that needs to be done. We are not corporations. You need to make sure that, you know, you're out there and you are, you are a community that everyone wants to be a part of. As a starting DAO, as I started, or if you are able to do that, if you're able to get those, you know, get these things out there, you're on the right track for sure. I, I love that. And, and I think those are two more great things that usually a manager would play the role of. A, a couple things that are coming to mind for me. One is a community manager. And I think a lot of successful DAOs do have a really good community man, or call it something else if you want, whatever, community facilitator, <laughs> if you really don't like the word manager, but someone who's there to make sure people are engaged and know where to go and yeah. have a positive environment, like stuff like that. And for a lot of DAOs, that could be a full-time person. It could be a part-time person. It's I think it's a good position to compensate and hire someone if, if you don't have someone who's just going to do it for free. And, and then the other <laughs> one is that just comes to mind is like, I've heard it called like governance engineer or like governance manager, especially if it's a DAO where there are going to be a lot of like votes and decisions, which often there are someone who is not in charge, but 
shows people this is how we make decisions. This is where the proposals go. Make sure people know there's a vote they should be paying attention to, kind of like a, a board admin might have done in, in a world with boards. Um, I think oftentimes that's a really productive uh, person to have too. And that person can also focus on evolving the governance system over time. So I would mm-hmm. suggest, curious what you think about that one, the, the governance manager, but I think those are potentially yeah, two think- more good things to make sure you have. Yeah, again, again, a hot take, probably a contrarian here, but I think governance is uh, overcomplicated in DAOs and it is it is made to sound so. I'm not sure why. Uh, I'm not sure why people keep talking about DAO governance. It's, it's not that difficult, if I'm being very honest, until unless you are not uh, uh, building in terms of a product or, you know, you are some you are building a protocol. I think, you know, until unless it's, it's not that of a big deal when you are a service DAO or an investment DAO or, you know, like... A, a media DAO, I think for these types of DAOs specifically, governance is not a huge thing, right? Uh, and I think the future of government uh, will be uh, distributed with only certain people allowed to vote on certain types of things. Everyone takes, you know, part in different types of governance. It doesn't necessarily have to be everyone takes part in deciding a certain thing. Uh, that is one thing. And I think uh, there is one thing that I also felt, you know, like by just going in these DAOs, like since since past, you know, one, one and a half years, uh, which is like governance is posed out as a job for people to do. I think that is the very wrong approach. Like if you really want to make sure that, you know, people uh, are, you know, understanding that this is their responsibility, this is their habit, you need to make sure that governance becomes a habit. So like, you know, Let's say on your onboarding call also, you're saying that, okay, so out of these two things, what, what do you think is working? Like doing fun exercises to make sure that everything that is happening in a DAO and when people actually, you know, do those things and when they see that, okay, the decisions that they took are actually being implemented, but they said that this was supposed to be a fun event and they get motivated, right? I mean, that is where they feel that, okay, maybe my say matters and then in that manner, voting becomes habitual and not a work. I think that is where a lot of emphasis has to go in, like not overcomplicating governance, but at the same time, make sure that people understand what they're supposed to do in a manner like, you know, you, you come up with these anecdotes, right, to explain people. It's, it's something similar, like on your Friday night fun event in the DAO on a Zoom call, like, you know, do, do something that people are voting on and uh, they, will, they will start understanding that what their responsibilities are. Love it. That's a great take. All right, uh, Naveen, this has been awesome. Have loved having you on the show. Uh, where can people find you and Samadai on the web or on social? Yeah, so I think on Twitter, it's uh, 0xNaveen, uh, as it's written here. So I'm on Twitter there. And uh, to find Samudai, you can just uh, check the website, which is Samudai, S-A-M-U-D-A-I dot X-Y-Z. And on Twitter, we are also like called Samudai X-Y-Z. So that is where you can find us. The product is open. Uh, We are like, you know, currently a building in public. So definitely would love to get a lot of people on like share feedback, call me out that this doesn't work. Uh, Definitely on top of everything. So yeah, I mean, again, super nice to be here, Adam, like to be very honest, like a super fun conversation. Loved it. Awesome. Thank you. So, and people can find me on Twitter also at 0xThriller, or I'm the thriller on Farcaster. MyDAO is M-I-D-A-O, or DS on Twitter. Just another quick ad, which is that we do legal entities for DAOs in the Marshall Islands. Would love to talk to any DAOs, entrepreneurs, lawyers, 
tax advisors. We've got a great partner program. Uh, please consider liking the show or leaving us a review uh, on whatever podcast or video platform you're listening on. We always really appreciate that. Uh, quick disclaimer, obviously this is not legal or tax advice because we're not lawyers. You're not a lawyer, right? <laughs> No. <laughs> okay, me neither. Not legal or tax advice, never is. Um, and for the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Thanks, Naveen. Cheers.